Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, it's Blarin Balogun. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Matchday Programme. Arsenal versus Liverpool, Wednesday, 16th of March 2022. Kickoff, 8.15pm. The contents, official voice, around Arsenal. Around Arsenal holding, sustainability. Player feature, Gabriel Magalhaes. History, Community Voice, Foundation Voice, Academy Young Gun, Around the Academy, Arsenal Women, Visitors Liverpool, Match Action, Arsenal vs Leicester City and Teams. Official Voice, Alexandra Lacazette. Every issue... We hear exclusively from significant figures at the club on our official voice pages of the programme. This issue, it's striker Alexandra Lacazette, who has taken the captain's armband for the second half of the season. I have to say that I'm playing a role in the team at the moment that I really like and am really enjoying. I've been given the chance to play there recently by the boss, and I would say it's the position I'm most comfortable in. I love to link up with my teammates, to help the team as much as possible, So for me, it's nothing new. I've played here before. It's always been a part of my game, I think, but I've improved it over the years. Playing a bit deeper and linking up has always been how I like to play, and I'm happy if I can get some assists too. Taking the armband as well. Honestly, that hasn't really changed anything for me. From the start of the season, the coach asked me to lead the team a bit more as a senior player, so that was the main change for me from previous seasons. I'm wearing the armband now, but my mentality and approach is just the same as earlier this season. It means a lot to me to captain Arsenal. It's a real honour for me. I was used to being the second or third captain, which is already something nice for me. So to now be the first one is a bit different. But in the team I still act the same way, and everyone acts the same with me. Even without the armband, I'm still the same player, trying to help my teammates as much as possible. Maybe now people can see it more, but for me it's the same. I like to be the coach's voice on the pitch when I can be, and maybe you can see that more at the moment, but I've been doing this before as well. The coach knows I can see things on the pitch, and he knows I like to talk to the other players, so maybe that's why he sees me as someone who can relay the messages to the team during the games. 
to tell the truth, that side of me has changed as I've got more experienced. When I started, my first few years in football, I was much more shy. I wasn't the player who wanted to talk so much, but I was respectful of the older players. I was the youngest one in the team when I made my debut at Lyon. So I was always looking at the older players, learning from them, but I didn't really talk much. So now I'm older, I always try to speak to the new players, welcome them to the club, help them however I can. That always depends on the situation. It could just be having a joke with them when you see them in the gym, making them feel more relaxed. I think this can help them be themselves and train without any pressure, because I know how hard that can be when you're new to the first team. I love to work with young players anyway, because I remember it was an amazing feeling for myself as a young player to have the support from the elders. I want to do the same now. We're a team that has so much quality and can go so far, so I want to help as much as I can. It's really enjoyable to play with them. The team has been gelling very well lately, and that's because of a lot of work on the training pitch. It's also because of a lot of communication from the coaches on the details that can help us improve. These players are young, but they are really smart, so they understand situations very quickly. Dealing with pressure will be important for us over the next couple of months. We'll have some big games, hopefully, and we've set ourselves a big target. It's going to be a new experience for a lot of the players in the team to play in these kind of games at the end of a season, but I'm confident in their quality and how they can deal with the situations. Again, it's down to the older players to help with that. Talking of big games, that's exactly what we've got tonight. Two big teams, great players on both sides, and the stadium is always really noisy for games against Liverpool. I know the fans will be ready for it, and we have to be as well, because we need the points. I've got some good memories of playing against Liverpool, but I must say they're one of the hardest defences you can face. For me, Virgil van Dijk is one of the best defenders in the world. If you want to play in the Premier League though, it's to play in these kinds of games and against these defenders. We can take some confidence from how we played against Liverpool at Anfield recently. We defended really well with 10 men to get a draw in the first leg of the cup game. We can use that. In these games, it's always a few details that can change things. We have to stay focused for the full 95 minutes and do everything right, play our game how we want to and take advantage of being at home. The way you, our fans, helped us against Wolves was one of the reasons we scored late on and got the win. Maybe the same game a couple of years ago, we wouldn't have won it. The atmosphere is different now, the energy in the stadium and maybe the connection as well. Maybe that's down to us as well, that the connection between the players and fans was totally different. But now we can feel how it's growing, and I hope it's going to be like this for many years at Arsenal. Personally, I love it when the crowd show their presence in the stadium. It helps me perform too, and so I encourage the fans when I can. It can put pressure on the opposition as well. I think that connection with the fans is getting much better this season, and that the coach is bringing something new here. He always mentions the fans as being a really important part of the game for us. So that connection is really good now, and I think you know how you're really helping us. When we're pushing for goals here, you're doing your job too, so we want to give you the love back. I think the atmosphere lately is down to a mixture of things. The manager used to play for the team, of course, so the fans recognise that. But also they see the way we're playing, 
And of course, because we've got some academy players in the team doing well, and supporters always love to see that. It's a mixture of different reasons. I've had a few managers now at Arsenal, and they've all been different. The coach came here with an idea, and he's stuck to it from day one. He always believes in us. He doesn't put limits on us and what we can reach. Even on bad days, he always has confidence in the team. That's why it's working. Because when things weren't right, he was still giving us positive messages. We've got ourselves into a better position in the league lately, but there are still a few games to play, and in football, everything can change quickly. There are some good teams involved in the race to get fourth place, but we're doing well too, so we just have to stay on board, work hard, and approach every game in the right way. If we could qualify for the Champions League, I think that would bring a lot of pride to the fans, as well as good experiences for the team. Being in the Champions League would bring a lot of confidence and quality to each player, so we know how important it is to be there. At the moment, we're just taking it game by game. With your help, we can do it. Get behind the team again tonight and let's make the Emirates really loud. Come on, you gunners! Around Arsenal. 2000 tonight? We hope so. Arsenal go into tonight's match having scored 1,999 goals in the Premier League. The race to 2000 with tonight's guests was won by Liverpool at the weekend as their second goal against Brighton also represented their 2000s in the Premier League, though they have played two more games than us, 1,142 to 1,140. Only Manchester United, 2,176, have scored more than tonight's teams with Chelsea on 1,954 and Tottenham Hotspur fifth on 1,718. There will definitely be one milestone reached tonight, however, 300 Premier League games at Emirates Stadium. We have won 194 league games here, drawn 65 and lost 40 since 2006. During those 299 matches, we have scored 605 goals and conceded 256. Support AWFC at Emirates. Arsenal women play at Emirates not once but twice this month, and there are still tickets available. Jonas Adival's team play Wolfsburg a week today, March the 23rd, in the first leg of the Champions League quarter-final, kick-off 8pm. And just three days later, we host the NLD at Emirates Stadium, with Tottenham visiting in the WSL on Saturday, March the 26th, kick-off 2.15pm. Tickets are now available for both matches, each priced at £12 for adults and £6 for concessions. Club-level seating, which includes a premium seat, a half-time drink and a matchday programme, is also available at £35 for adults and £17.50 for concessions. Stand with Ukraine. On Sunday, the club outlined a number of ways in which we are standing with Ukraine, including the presence of Oleg Lutsny in his old number 22 slot at the back of the programme. More significantly, we asked fans to donate to Save the Children's Ukraine Appeal, and the support has been immense, with Arsenal donations very close to £25,000 when this programme went to print on Monday. 
As a reminder, this is how Save the Children are supporting the refugees fleeing Ukraine, providing urgent life-saving aid, including cash, food and water, setting up safe spaces where refugee children can play, learn and cope with grief and loss, supporting refugees at five reception centres in Romania. Funds raised will help their teams to keep supporting families by distributing essential supplies and winter kits of clothing and blankets as temperatures plunge below freezing, providing cash and vouchers assistance to families to meet basic needs like food, rent and medicines, offering vital mental health and psychosocial support to children and their families, providing access to safe, inclusive quality education. We also announced that we were setting up a new official Arsenal Ukraine Supporters Club and the response of fans to show their solidarity with the people of Ukraine has once again been remarkable, with the Supporters Club already having close to 3,000 members. Thank you for your support. RefWatch, tonight's referee is Andre Mariner from the West Midlands. It's Andre's third Arsenal appointment this season his previous two both being Gunners' victories over Leeds 2-0 in the League Cup in October and 4-1 at Elland Road in December. In the Premier League this season, Andre has issued 52 yellow cards and two reds in the 14 matches he has officiated. There is a QR code in the print version of this programme which you can use to donate to Save the Children's Ukraine Appeal. Thomas, POTM for February. Congratulations to Thomas Party, who won February's Player of the Month award, voted for by the readers of Arsenal.com. Thomas received his award prior to the match on Sunday from a very special guest, legendary Arsenal forward Kelly Smith. In a week when we had celebrated International Women's Day, it was great to also hear Kelly talk at half-time about some of the magical moments she enjoyed with Arsenal women. 89 Revisited. We mentioned in the Leicester programme that the referee from that famous night at Anfield in 1989, David Hutchinson, was at the game against the Foxes, and in the print version of the programme is David pictured with his namesake, O'Leary. Our record appearance maker was of course part of George Graham's heroic team that night. Roman Brodsky Arsenal Football Club were deeply saddened to hear of the recent death of Roman Brodsky as he attempted to leave Ukraine to return to his native Israel. The 41-year-old was a member of the Israel branch of Arsenal Supporters Club and Roman's death has left the group devastated. Our thoughts are with Roman's family and his friends at this very difficult time. Ticket News Home Tickets Arsenal vs Brighton and Hove Albion Premier League Saturday April the 9th kick off 3 p.m. category C My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 200 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture Tickets are now on sale to Silver Purple Cannon and Junior Gunner members Arsenal vs Man United Premier League Saturday April the 23rd kick off 3 p.m. category A This fixture is still subject to change my Arsenal Rewards members will earn 50 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Red, Purple, Cannon and Junior Gunner members. Booking fees apply. Arsenal vs Leeds United Premier League Saturday, May the 7th, kick-off 3pm, Category B. 
this fixture is still subject to change. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 100 points for each ticket purchased. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Purple, Cannon and Junior Gunner members. Booking fees apply. An allocation of tickets will go on sale to Red members at 11am on Monday, March the 21st. Booking fees apply. Arsenal vs Everton Premier League Sunday, May the 22nd. Kick-off, 4pm. Category B. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 100 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets will go on sale to Silver, Purple, Cannon and Junior Gunner members at 10am on Tuesday, March the 22nd. Booking fees apply. Tickets will go on sale to Red members at 10am on Tuesday, April the 5th. Booking fees apply. Away, Aston Villa vs Arsenal, Villa Park, Premier League, Saturday, March the 19th, kick-off 12.30pm, live on BT Sport. This fixture sold out to all Platinum, Gold and Travel Club members with 25-plus away points. Crystal Palace vs Arsenal, Salhurst Park, Premier League, Monday, April the 4th, kick-off 8pm, live on Sky Sports. This fixture sold out to all Platinum Gold and Travel Club members with 25-plus away points. Notice Board Totalizer £1,170 Wishing Annie Elson, a lifelong Arsenal fan, a very happy 100th birthday. Love from all her family and friends. Happy 18th birthday, Nicky Dobbin. Hope you enjoy your club-level experience at Emirates. Love Mum and Dad. Have a great 18th birthday, Max. Love, Mum, Dad and all the family. Happy 15th birthday, Luca. Love from all your family and friends. Welcome on his first visit to Emirates Stadium, Harry Aylwood. 13, from Portsmouth. Have a great night, from Grandad Gaz. Happy birthday, India Paskins. Have a top day and enjoy the footy. Come on, the Gunners. Arsenal remembers. Gary Townsend was unquestioningly loyal, unwaveringly supportive and completely selfless. A loving brother, father and best friend. He was totally dedicated to Arsenal Football Club and will be dearly missed and forever loved by us all. Mabika, Lebon and Simba. We lost our father on February the 9th, 2022. He was a devoted father, brother and gooner. He leaves behind three children that all share his love of Arsenal. May his soul rest in peace. Sammy Malseed, one of the founder members of the Donegal Arsenal Supporters Club, has sadly passed away. Sammy was involved in setting up the club back in the 90s and brought it to where it is today. A lifelong Arsenal fan who will be sadly missed by us all within the Arsenal family. Around Arsenal, Rob Holding, why I spoke up. When Arsenal played away to Leeds in December, you may have seen the pictures of Rob Holding speaking to the fourth official during the game. The defender had made the decision, as part of the club's leadership group, to come forward and report racist abuse that he had been made aware of by one of the younger players. It was a case of transforming words into action, and the police later identified the culprit thanks to the reports given by Rob, his teammates and the coaching staff. 
It's a clear example of how standing up and speaking out can result in direct action and hopefully make a difference in the fight against racism, not just in football but in society in general. Last week, Rob spoke about the incident, how he went about reporting it to the officials and the importance of being an ally to those suffering abuse. First of all, Rob, can you explain what happened to Ellen Road? Yeah, I was on the bench when it happened. Emil, Nuno and Nico had been warming up and Emil came back and said, the lads just got racially abused. He told me what was said and there was a moment where I was thinking, I need to do something about that. So I went and talked to the assistant, Steve Round, who reported it to the fourth official. Then they stopped the game. The ref came over and I had to give an account of what happened. Then it went from there and was dealt with by the authorities. By the end of the game, I think the culprit had been taken out. Did you have any doubts about what to do? We have a really good relationship with our coaches, so I was more than comfortable going up to report it to our assistant, who can then take it to the fourth official. There was no doubt in my mind to report it and say, listen, this what's happened, what do we do? And then he took it from there. Was it an automatic response from you? Yeah, when Emil told me what was said, I asked, would you be able to point out the person in case it comes down to that? He said, yeah, 100%. And then I asked Nico and Nuno, has this been said? They said it had, and they had heard it. I checked with them to see how they felt, but they didn't want to report it themselves. They felt uncomfortable with it. That's where having an ally can help and it felt like the right thing to do. Were you surprised how much praise you received? Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. I didn't think it would be talked about for the rest of the day. Ian Wright even messaged me, saying how much he loved hearing the support for me. As a human being, it was the right thing to do, regardless of what praise you might get. It's not even a concept I thought of. It's nice to be spoken about highly, but it was just me, as a person, doing the right thing. Does it show how simple it is to stand up for what's right? Exactly. That's what took me aback. How blatantly obvious the abuse was. It was standing up and shouting it directly at the person. Face uncovered. Everything. That just blows my mind. That is happening. Were you concerned for how much Nuno and Nico were affected by it? Yeah, it's hurtful to see them so upset at something that's happened away from you that you weren't there to help with. If I was warming up with them and heard that, I would have been looking at the guy and giving him some, saying, what are you thinking, and confronting him. But obviously I wasn't in that situation. But seeing the boys not wanting to report it and unsure what to do, they were uncomfortable. They'd just been abused and didn't know what to do. How important is it to show solidarity on racism and not take a step back? We all know what's right and wrong, what should and shouldn't be said, and the fact that we're taking the knee and the round of applause it gets every game shows the fans are on side. Don't get me wrong, it's not all Leeds fans doing that. It's one idiot who has ruined it for them and gives them a bad name. It's not the club or how they are at all. It puts them in an awkward situation because they have someone who's just ruined it for them. Has taking the knee helped bring these issues to the front of your mind? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, with what happened to George Floyd in America and then the protests in England starting to take the knee, it was obviously a hot topic, 
it was still very fresh in the mind that if you hear something, you should say something. Do you think recent events and campaigns have drawn attention to systemic racism? Yeah, it opened up a lot of conversations. And I had one with two of my old school friends. One is a white lad and one is a black lad. We grew up in quite a white area in southeast Manchester. And I didn't think it was a thing he had come across. But he told me about the number of times he got off the bus to walk towards his house and someone would drive past and shout out something like, Go back to your country. We had an open conversation about it and I was surprised it had happened because he had never said anything at all. I was just taken aback. I told him I had no idea he'd been going through that, that every day after school he was getting that. It was an eye-opener for me. What would you say to people who find themselves in a similar position to you at Leeds? For me, it was very straightforward. The right thing should never be looked badly upon. If someone is unsure what to do, report it to the closest person with authority who can arrange to have it sorted out. Just speak up. It's not going to cause any more harm. It might prevent the person who did it from doing it a week later. In the long run, you've helped someone. We know you are also a big supporter of women's football and, of course, Arsenal WFC. Yeah, big supporter. My girlfriend plays football, so I've always been interested in women's football from watching her. When I got really close with our team was when me and Jordan Nobbs both injured our ACLs and were doing our coaching badges at the same time. I got injured a week after her. It was ironic that we did it at the same time. We were rehabbing in the gym, spending a lot of time together, getting to know each other as people rather than just thinking, that's the women's team, and walking past. Jordan is great. We have such good chats and we have a lot of fun on some of the interviews that we've done together. I know they have a big Champions League tie coming up soon, so that should be good. I will probably get down to that. Has that given you a different window into the women's world and some of the challenges they face? Yeah, I know that abuse is constant on Twitter. People thinking they shouldn't play football, they shouldn't be part of it, and have the coverage the men have. Our platforms are big enough to share. They don't have to be dominated by men. I think we are making some steps in the right direction. There's more coverage, and every weekend I go through the TV and see different channels with the women's games on. So it's nice to see they're getting coverage. Sustainability Red, white and green Sustainability focus Arsenal Football Club has a vision to lead the sporting community in a quest to a more sustainable future and the match day programme is taking the lead. Working with Carbon Link in Kenya, this season's issue is offsetting the emissions generated during the programme production process, creating the Arsenal Forest in Africa. Carbon Link estimated we need to plant 12,500 trees, each absorbing 20 kilograms of carbon dioxide over the next 10 years. With your help, we have exceeded that target with 15,500 seedlings planted so far. But we can do more. The programme is also sponsoring small environmental projects around the club, as well as encouraging young fans and staff members to tell us about their green credentials. 
we are also highlighting our printer's environmental efforts. In addition, in each program we showcase significant club-wide projects being undertaken as part of our drive to greater sustainability. Bishop's Backing Arsenal's programme print partner, Bishop's Printers, are considered one of the most environmentally conscious printers in the UK. Here we highlight their sustainability credentials. Bishop's Charter states that they are committed to providing environmental training for our staff and encourage them to apply good environmental practices. We also discuss environmental issues regularly at higher management levels and encourage suppliers and customers to adopt the best possible environmental practice. Lovely Leaves Our team in Boré prepare, propagate, plant, water and also clean and dry, specifically the precious neem leaves. This wonderful tree not only grows quickly and produces superb timber, the leaves also have unique medicinal and antiseptic properties. It's important that workers learn how to clean and dry the leaves properly so they can fetch a good price in the local markets. Arsenal Forest, 15 acres planted. Thanks to amazing support from Gunners fans all over the world, planet Earth and one small community in Africa now has a growing neem woodland of 15 acres that would simply not otherwise exist. From Hornchurch to Helsinki, our fans have been getting behind the project to show that they care about the climate and our aim to compensate for the paper consumed in making this programme. These baby trees still have to get a lot bigger in order to complete that task, but down at the equator, every single day is a growing day, and some of them are over two feet, around 60 centimetres, tall already. For those of you who like a statistic or two, and we know there are plenty of football fans who love a stat, in all, 37 acres of scrubland have now been fenced for our forest. Within those 37 acres, 20 of them have now been cleared for planting, and within that area, most of it has now been planted, 15 acres, as mentioned previously. But we have plenty more seedlings germinating in our nursery, 20,000 in all for this project, over the course of season 2021-22, to and potentially beyond. Those seedlings are very small currently, but with that legendary equatorial pace of growth, they should be ready to plant out sometime in May or June, just as soon as this area of Kenya has benefited from the big rains. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received a number of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. Thanks so much for getting involved in this exciting project. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees, 25 for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small sustainable step in the right direction and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what an excellent gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. 
Scan the QR code on this program for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Program Upcycling Scheme Any programs that we don't sell have traditionally been offered to our community projects as valuable resources. However, we would be more than happy to let supporters get involved in this upcycling if they have a charity, school or community venture that could benefit from old issues and have the means to be able to collect them from the stadium. Please drop us an email to programme at arsenal.co.uk outlining where and why you would like to use the old programmes and we'll be in touch. Defending the Environment Arsenal star Jen Beattie is sustaining a new, greener lifestyle. Star central defender and occasional striker for Arsenal women and Scotland for many years, when Jean Beattie isn't thinking about her next match, she's considering how her and her sports actions affect the environment. In a forthcoming interview with Sky, she spoke at length about sustainability, starting with how she had changed her diet. The biggest change I've made is going plant-based a few years ago, says Jen, who has played 131 times for the Gunners. You can change your carbon footprint by up to 70%. I made the change initially for performance reasons, but the environmental impact made the decision a no-brainer. Like I said, initially performance was the key driver. As footballers, we are always looking for a 1% improvement. It took me a few months to be 100% plant-based, but I felt the effects pretty quickly, and I felt better quickly too, and it was enjoyable really to stick to. I felt like I had more energy, I recovered quicker, my diet is more nutrient-dense. People think of things you can't have but it was much more nutrient-dense and in terms of energy and recovery, the differences were like night and day. Changing her diet so fundamentally didn't go unnoticed by her teammates. When I went vegan, my teammates were inquisitive, says Jen. I was at Man City at the time and they were interested but great with it. Attitudes towards vegan diet have changed. When you see animal cruelty and the images are horrific to watch, following a vegan diet you don't add to that cruelty and it makes you feel a bit better. But it's still horrible to know it's happening and it is a huge part of eating meat and fish in your diet and it is incredibly sad. Shifting to a plant-based lifestyle also has implications away from mealtime too, as Jen explains. Being vegan opened my eyes to being more sustainable says the 30-year-old, who has played a remarkable 139 times for Scotland. As footballers, the amount of apparel we wear and the new kit every year was thought-provoking, and how could I be more sustainable and avoid fast fashion? So I did research into brands who were doing things better and using recycled materials. The carbon footprint of the new clothes bought in the UK per month is greater than flying a plane around the world 900 times. It's insane, says Jen in disbelief. We live in a world where we want new things all the time. I understand that is how society works, but that society isn't helping any of us. We need to stop worrying about buying new things and actually have a wardrobe that is more sustainable. 
I hope this mindset can change, but at the minute we live in a world where social media is a huge driver to constantly having new things. So as long as social media keeps driving that, it is hard to change. We need to take more responsibility for our actions and thoughts and not be driven by that, continues Jen. I think all the clothing should be from recycled materials. I don't understand this new, new, new thing that we are all obsessed with. If there is a way to make things from recycled materials, then that is what we should be doing. Sports brands have a huge responsibility as soon as they come out and say they are creating their products via different avenues. It gives more value to consumers buying the product, knowing that it is made in a more sustainable way. It gives them confidence wearing it and makes them feel they are doing their bit as well. In the wide-ranging interview on the environment, Jen also speaks about noticing a shift in playing conditions due to climate change and how difficult it can be for footballers to speak out. Look out for the documentary on Sky. Eco Gunners We ask young Arsenal fans to tell us how they are helping the planet. Junior Gunner siblings, Riverbella and Hudson, have recently embraced activities to help benefit their local area. Their parents explained that independently, both approached them with separate ideas to do their bit for the environment. Riverbella has always had an empathetic concern for animals. She wanted to do a litter pick-up, specifically to stop any harm to animals and help with the environment, says Dad Martin. Hudson has a 15-minute car journey to school. He wanted to spend a month riding his bike replacing the car because it's healthy and stops fumes harming the earth. That's brilliant, Riverbella and Hudson, a pair of environmental superstars. Octopus Energy, our official energy supplier and who are supporting the club on its sustainability journey, are sending both of you a cuddly octopus. If you are thinking about the environment, email juniorgunners at arsenal.co.uk now. If we feature you in the programme, our friends at Octopus will send you a cuddly octopus too. Staff Support Every issue of the programme, we find out what Arsenal staff are doing to become more sustainable. Today, we hear from Senior Loyalty Manager Karen Dumbrell. We've created a compost area at the end of the garden. We reverse fly-tipped, found some pallets that had been fly-tipped on the South Downs Way, put them in the boot of our car and then my husband created a wooden compost bin. We put kitchen waste, newspaper and garden clippings in there and after one season had some great quality compost for the garden. We've now gone full Monty Don with a second wooden bin, so once the first one is full, the waste can be left to break down and we fill up the second. That's fantastic, Karen. Grow Gunners! Player feature Gabrielle Fanzo Arsenal players discuss the influence and inspiration provided by you, the fans. This is what I dreamt of. Halfway through his second season at Arsenal, defender Gabriel Magalhaes has firmly established himself as a key component of Mikel Arteta's defence and as he tells us in this exclusive Matchday programme interview, the atmosphere in the Premier League is a big part of why he's loving life in English football. 
Wurtz, Josh James, Photography, Stuart McFarlane, David Price, Getty. Gabriel wasted no time in announcing his arrival in English football when he signed at the start of last season. Making his first appearance away to Fulham on the opening day, the burly, powerful defender scored our second goal early in the second half and impressed at the back throughout, keeping a clean sheet in a dominant 3-0 win. It would have been the perfect debut, but one thing was missing, the fans. In fact, all of Gabby's first five appearances for the Gunners were played behind closed doors during the height of the pandemic, and it wasn't until the start of this season that he first sampled the atmosphere of a sellout crowd in England. And the Brazilian centre-back found the return of the fans very much to his liking. He was unbeaten in his first seven appearances this season, establishing himself as one of the most solid and assured defenders in the league in the process. He's continued to go from strength to strength since then, showing his goal-scoring prowess as well, netting in wins over Leicester, Southampton and Wolves. The atmosphere in English football is wonderful, begins the defender. When you take to the pitch, you always have butterflies in your stomach because you know that wherever you are about to play, the stadium will always be packed in England. You can see how different the Premier League is. I'm thrilled to be here and I hope to make the Gunners very happy. Gabrielle, known around the club as Gabby, or Big Gabby to avoid confusion with his namesake and compatriot Martinelli, joined the Gunners from Lille in the summer of 2020. He had spent four seasons in the French top flight, including one on loan to Troyes but it was during his final year in Liga 1 when he really began to catch the eye, also impressing in the Champions League. It was enough to convince Mikel Arteta to sign the left-footed centre-back, and he's now well at home in the Arsenal back four, having started each of our last 24 league games. After a year and a half here at Arsenal, everything is improving and going in the way that I dreamt it would, the 24-year-old beams. I hope to keep making the fans happy. I'm working hard every day and it's really pleasing if the fans can recognise that and it makes me really happy if they are pleased with my games. We can all feel the fantastic support from our fans at Emirates Stadium in every game we play and it's a great feeling. I have to say that it also goes for when we play away too, with the way they get behind us. Our away supporters have really impressed me as well. When asked to name the best atmosphere he's known in his career to date, he doesn't have to think too far back in history for his answer. So far, if I was to pin down the best atmosphere I've played in, I've got to say the game against Wolves at the Emirates last month. I made a bad start and got a pass wrong, but my teammates picked me back up and the fans got behind us throughout. We were happy in the end as we got all three points and it was an incredible feeling. There were a lot of emotions, for me especially after that first goal, he continues. When I got home that night, I watched the highlights back. The first thing I saw was my mistake that led to Wolves' opening goal. But only if you're on the inside can you know what it feels like to make that type of mistake. That's something you can watch back and learn from. So many top players make mistakes too. It's normal to think about it after the game. You have to learn from that, improve and work hard. I watched our goals back too, of course, and the pure emotion is involved. I was grateful for those goals because I know how much we needed those three points. 
they'll certainly make a big difference going forward. So, is it usual for Gabriel to watch his games back afterwards, or was the Wolves game a bit special in that regard? No, no, I watch a lot of football, all the time. Sometimes I spend two hours watching my own game back. When I was injured or not playing, of course, I watched all the Arsenal games, and even when I'm not playing, I am just as focused when I watch as I would be on the pitch. That's how I watch games. I watch with the family and get behind my teammates throughout the whole game. I keep up with all the main leagues too. Whenever there are other games to watch, I'm always up for it. It's not just the Premier League. I'm always up for whatever is on. I watch it all, especially if I have friends playing in other leagues. I love watching the Champions League too. The games are so emotionally charged. The Paris Saint-Germain vs Real Madrid game recently, for example, when Kylian Mbappe scored in the last minute. That was a great match. Gabriel's love affair with football, as seems virtually compulsory in Brazil, started at a very young age. Born in Sao Paulo in December 1997, he grew up as a Corinthians fan. He said he was always at the stadium watching games, but then his playing career started to take off. He moved home to join Ave, some 700 kilometres south of Sao Paulo, at the age of just 13, and turned pro three years later. Just as he would for Arsenal four years later, he made a goal-scoring start to life in the Ave first team back in January 2016, a few weeks after his 18th birthday. I remember my first game as a professional for Ave very well, he recalls. I had played some youth games, but this was the first senior match of my career. It was a key game. My debut was against Jeremio, a top Brazilian side. We were losing 2-1 with a few minutes left. Then I equalised with a header to get us a draw. On my senior debut, there were so many feelings involved. It's a wonderful memory for me. It was a home game for us, but I remember the atmosphere was really big because there were so many Jeremio fans in the stadium on the day, even as the away side. Gabriel only had one season in the Arvai team before being snapped up by Liga 1 side Lille and heading to Europe. He made just over 50 appearances for the French side, including some under former Leeds boss Marcelo Bielsa, and also had a brief loan spell with Dinamo Zagreb in Croatia as well as the temporary move to Troyes. But he's already racked up more games for Arsenal than any of his four previous sides, and says he is feeling right at home here and loving life in London. It's going great, and I've met a few fans when I've been out. To be really honest though, I don't go out that often, he says. But sometimes I go into central London with my wife, and I meet fans out and about. They always praise me and thank me but I don't know why, he adds laughing. They're always grateful to me, and that motivates me even more, knowing that the fans are pleased with us. It's also normal to receive messages from fans if you don't win a game, but that's football. The supporters deserve happiness, and we're going to take Arsenal to where the club needs to be. Sing up for the Arsenal, remembering a classic Arsenal chant from through the years. Arsenal Wenger went to Brazil after a bloke with a load of skill. An agent said, I've got the player for you. He ain't got a passport, and his name is Edu, 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 to the tune of Tom Hark by the Piranhas. 
Gabriel is the latest talented Brazilian to play for Arsenal. One of the first was a man Gabby knows well, the club's technical director, Edu, whose delayed arrival at Arsenal due to passport issues was much anticipated by Arsenal fans. But he did have a load of skill, just like the song says. We've Only Got One Song by Matthew Bazile and Mark Andrews is a book all about Arsenal songs down the years. It's available to buy from legendspublishing.net. Brazilian centre-back union. Gabriel is not the only Brazilian defender at the club. During the January transfer window, Arsenal women signed Rafaela Souza, the first Brazilian to represent the team. We asked Rafaela about her experiences with fans as well. And here's an extract from the full interview that appeared in the matchday programme for Arsenal women's game with Birmingham City recently. What is the best atmosphere you've played in? It was when I moved to the US from Brazil. I moved from a really poor city and all of a sudden I was right in the middle of women's football culture in the US. It was a dream come true. They loved to see women playing football there and for me that was such a change of culture. I was used to playing with boys all the time, so when I got there it felt amazing to be surrounded by a load of like-minded girls. The facilities were great too, like nothing I'd ever experienced before. It shocked me. It was a life-changing moment, and suddenly I saw a pathway that made me say, I want to be a professional player, rather than play for fun. What's your favourite stadium to play in? Playing at the Maracana for the national team in front of 70,000 people was unbelievable. My family were there, so it was really special. Fact file, number six, Gabriel Magalhães, defender, Brazil, born Sao Paulo, Brazil, December 19th, 1997. Joined from Lille on September 1st, 2020. Previous clubs, Arvai, Lille B, Lille, Troy, Lone, Dinamo Zagreb, loan. Debut, Fulham away. Premier League, September 12, 2020. 1-3-0. First goal versus Fulham away. Premier League, September 12, 2020. 1-3-0. Gabrielle's tweets. We asked you what has impressed you about Gabby's game. Here's what you told us. At J.A. Understrike Magoya. The best attributes have been his attitude and desire to improve. He has grown in being assertive in his game and I believe there's still more to come once he learns and matures in the art of being calm under pressure. At Pat Understrike Houlihan Understrike His ability, prowess with defensive nous and left-footed is a real bonus. His reading of the game and partnership with Ben White will only excel and his coming up with vital goals as well is an asset which will only benefit Arsenal for years to come has even lost a tooth for us. At Charles Netty, he's an outstanding all-round player. You can see his movements on and off the ball, his defensive awareness and how sharp he's when he goes forward, a gemstone in our hands. At It's Understrike Rosie, his attitude and body language, even when he makes mistakes, have been positive and it doesn't hurt that he gets on the score sheet every now and then. At just 24, he'll make one of the best CBs very soon. At Tamit Hale. What a gem of warrior defender we have on our hand. Apart from one or two glitches, he's always fully committed to tackles 
and has a combination of Colo and Campbell in one. Still growing at 24 years of age in leaps and bounds, in partnership with White becoming formidable. At said Pakistani, his fearlessness is his best trait. He never backs down from a proper battle, and that's what I love in a defender. That arrogance and authority is what it's all about. The top five biggest football stadiums by current capacity. 114,000. Rungredo 1st of May Stadium, North Korea. 107,601. Michigan Stadium, USA. 100,024. Melbourne Cricket Ground, Australia. 99,354. Camp Noy, Spain. 94,736. FMB Stadium, South Africa. Behind the headline. Charlie the Prince for one glorious day. The Times, Monday, April 6th, 1987. Arsenal historian John Sperling reveals the story behind a famous newspaper headline. Given that Charlie Nicholas had garnered headlines from the minute he signed for Arsenal for £650,000 in July 1983, it's befitting that the most memorable opener about the former Celtic forward was written after perhaps his finest afternoon in a gunner's shirt. On April 5th, 1987, George Graham's Arsenal faced Kenny Dalglish's Liverpool in the Littlewoods Cup final at Wembley. It had been seven years since Arsenal last played there, and as George Graham reminded his players, playing here is a luxury. Make sure you soak it up and enjoy the experience. Arsenal fans, booming out K. Sarah and Yellow Ribbon, were off to watch Georgie Graham and his red and white army facing double winners Liverpool. Slaying Tottenham in the semi-final was one thing, but defeating Liverpool would be quite another. Always a keen observer of club history, Graham pointed out to his players that, historically, Arsenal had the edge over Liverpool in big matches, defeating them in both the 1950 and 1971 FA Cup finals. That didn't cut too much ice with the media, which unsurprisingly honed in on Ian Rush's imminent departure to Italian club Juventus. In the Daily Mirror, columnist Terry Venable scored both sides equally, except for up front, awarding Paul Walsh Ian Rush 9 out of 10 and Niall Quinn Charlie Nicholas 8 out of 10. Whereas Venables described Rush as the outstanding striker in Britain, he said of Nicholas, too many times nibbling at the edge instead of biting a bigger chunk. There was also that hoary old Rush statistic. He'd scored in 144 Liverpool matches and his team had never lost when Rush scored. Nicholas, in keeping with the rest of his Arsenal career, had enjoyed mixed fortunes that season and a shin injury saw him absent from the team for two months before Christmas, during which the Gunners sat on top of the table before petering out in the new year. Under glorious blue Wembley skies, Rush rounded off a slick Liverpool move in the 23rd minute to give Liverpool the lead in the final, and after an excellent interchange of passing between Jan Mulby and Steve McMahon. It's such a familiar sight, exclaimed an almost weary-sounding Barry Davis on the BBC, after which Liverpool proceeded to play keep ball for the next five minutes. But Liverpool had a couple of telling injuries. 
Centre-back Mark Lawrenson had already sustained the Achilles injury which ended his career a few months later and they also missed the drive of Steve Nicholl in the centre. We weren't 100% stable at the back, recalled Alan Hansen, and we lacked pace in midfield and at the back too. Even when Rushy gave us the lead, Arsenal's heads didn't drop. Charlie Nicholas recalls, We had that inner mental strength which we developed from coming back from the dead twice in the semi-final. Six minutes after Rush gave Liverpool the lead, Nicholas poked home Arsenal's equaliser after Liverpool's defence failed to clear Paul Davis' free kick effectively. Despite being nearly throttled by Tony Adams in the ensuing celebrations, Nicholas recalls, It was back to the Tottenham scenario again. We were thinking, we'll break this rushy hoodoo and we'll do it now. Much of the rest of the match was constricted to 20 yards either side of the halfway line and balanced precariously on the knife edge of midfield chess play in the Times' David Miller's words. Steve Williams and Paul Davis' midfield partnership provided an equal match for Mulby's ball skills, while the David Rowcastle-Viv Anderson partnership caused Liverpool problems down the right-hand side. Arsenal's winner came from a move down the left. George Graham substituted the labouring Quinn for Perry Groves, who was about to plunge his pace like a dagger into Liverpool's defence, as Patrick Barkley wrote in The Independent. Within minutes of coming on, Groves latched onto Kenny Sansom's pass, slipped the ball under Gary Gillespie's sliding challenge, scampered forwards and passed the ball to Nicholas. The Scots' weak shot to Bruce Grobelaar's left took a hefty deflection off Ronnie Whelan, wrong-footing the Zimbabwean keeper, and crept over the line to the right. Bargain basement signing Groves had swung the match in Arsenal's favour. George just told me to wreak havoc down the left, Groves explains. So I did just that. I just ran at a tired defence. I could see the fear on their faces and I knew that Gillespie was knackered. I think that George maybe thought the game would go to extra time, but we killed it earlier than he thought. Graham's reactions after the final whistle are a fascinating combination of pride, irritation and unbridled ambition. Clad in immaculate blue blazer and grey flannels, he hugged his victorious players but bristled when confronted with the claim that Arsenal's winning goal simply gave more fuel to that lucky tag. There's nothing lucky about what we've achieved. Our success has come through hard work. Later, he added, I'm thrilled that we've won a trophy in my first season, but I still plan to make several additions to my squad. Charlie Nicholas, who'd mugged Ian Rush on the way to Italy, according to Alex Montgomery in The Sun, felt uneasy in the days and weeks following the final. I was King Charlie at last, apparently. The Bonnie Prince had delivered, finally. Charlie had hit the jackpot. They were great headlines and I was thrilled with the win on the day, but George wasn't convinced, he laughs. I remember afterwards one of the newspapers quoted me as saying, sell me if you dare to George. They were mischief-making. I'd, I'd never have been so stupid as to say anything like that to him. He awarded me a one-year deal, which was a wait-and-see set up at best. The Times had it spot on. Charlie the Prince for one glorious day. His Arsenal career would effectively be over by late summer, but the natural showman Charlie Nicholas had, memorably, delivered on the Wembley stage as Arsenal finally won silverware once again.
Community Voice. Arsenal in the community engages more than 5,000 participants every week. Each issue we hear about one of our projects from their perspective. Nicholas is 33 and part of our coach development programme. My brother-in-law, a lifelong Arsenal fan, sent me the advert via LinkedIn about the programme. I didn't understand what the coach development programme, CDP, actually consisted of, but something felt right about it while I went through the applying and interview phases. In summer 2021, I found myself unemployed due to me leaving my position as a quantity surveyor in October 2019 and being unable to find work due to the pandemic. At this point, I started to coach football and I've not looked back. One of the highlights during my visit was at Christmas. Arsenal invited numerous local children to spend the morning with the community team. We took the kids on a stadium tour, gave them Christmas presents and put on a football tournament at the hub. That morning always sticks with me. For some of the children that attend, that was their Christmas celebrations and you could see the morning meant a lot to them. Another huge part of my experience so far has been my year-long placement at Hayland Arsenal Pre-Academy for under-7s and under-8s. I've met some amazing coaches and have learned firsthand what a pre-academy environment is like and it's been nothing short of amazing. I've made loads of friendships within my group. Being one of the older members, I quickly took on the uncle big brother role. I've also developed my support system and have people who make me think and be a better coach. All the Arsenal staff I've been in contact with have been amazing and I believe I've made some really strong lifelong friendships whether it be within the community team at Hayland or the Arsenal team based at the hub. They go beyond helping you and make you feel comfortable straight away. I've always been a person who reflects a lot, but whilst on the CDP, you're forced to turn up reflection time tenfold. Doing this constantly with Arsenal has crept into my personal life. I find myself reflecting on day-to-day moments more and trying to identify why and when I feel certain emotions. Some skills that have been able to transfer over from the CDP are thinking on my feet, my public speaking, organisation and inception of ideas, and believe it or not, media skills. The last time I worked full-time, I hated it. Waking up felt like a chore. Mondays were the worst days, Fridays were the best. Long story short, I hated life to a degree. Now it's totally the opposite. I'm up bright and early, always thinking of what my day has planned. The highlights of my week are going to my primary school in Islington and working with reception and years one and two. Seeing a professional establishment that I supported, before and actually being involved with now, giving people that come from the same place as me an opportunity is a beautiful thing to see. For more details of our coach development programme, contact Adam Henry, ahenry at arsenal.co.uk. Foundation Voice. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation helped to fund a new lung function unit at Great Ormond Street Hospital, which was opened by Arsene Wenger in 2012. We hear from two people with close links to the unit as it celebrates the 10th anniversary of its renovation. 
Dr. Paul Aurora, consultant in paediatric respiratory medicine and lung transplantation at Great Ormond Street. We've had a lung function unit at Great Ormond Street Hospital treating children with respiratory problems for more than 50 years. When it opened, it was one of the first in the world. We have a long-standing record of providing care to a very high standard, as well as high-level research that can influence how other hospitals treat patients. We train lung function physiologists for the UK and the rest of the world. Ten years ago, our facilities desperately needed updating. When Arsene Wenger and some of the Arsenal players visited our old facilities, we explained it would be like a top-class football team having to train on a tennis court. With their fundraising and support, we knew we could create a state-of-the-art unit that matches the world-class care we provide, and that would enable us to do so much more for our patients. The children and their families love our new unit, which we were so proud to open back in 2012. There's more space, including dedicated areas for waiting, and because we have more private rooms, we can reduce the risk of children catching infections when they come to hospital. Thanks to Arsenal's generous fundraising all those years ago, we were able to continue working throughout the worst time of the pandemic, including testing children who had developed COVID-19 themselves. This simply would not have been possible in the same way with our previous facilities. Although the department has gone through many changes over the years, we've always been committed to recruiting the very best talent from around the world. The impact of Arsenal's donation goes beyond Great Ormond Street too, as our fantastic colleagues' experience in these facilities means they can use their expertise to set up similar departments at other hospitals, helping to treat more and more children from across the UK. Juliet, mother of Emily and Luke, who rely on the services of the Arsenal Lung Function Unit. Lung health is vital in managing cystic fibrosis. Both my children, Emily and Luke, rely on the specialist equipment and amazingly skilled team at the unit to make sure we're keeping their lungs strong. The advanced testing that the unit offers requires Great Ormond Street staff to be really careful about COVID infections, and they were always willing to adapt to make sure they could still do their crucial jobs amidst all the PPE requirements, all while never stopping to make time to connect on an emotional level with the kids. We're one of the lucky families to be able to attend the lung function unit and to be treated by such excellent and warm staff. Academy Young Gun, Zach Arway. Interview by Aidan Small. The Basics. Name, Zach Arway. Born, Greenwich, 9th of January 2004. Joined, 24th of May 2012. Height and weight, 6 feet 5 and 88 kilos. Position, centre-back or defensive midfield. Boots, Copa. School, Thomas Tallis, Greenwich. Rate yourself out of 100. Pace, 85, dribbling, 74, passing, 87, shooting, 60, defending, 88, physical, 84. Lowdown, earliest memory of football, joining the David Beckham Academy, aged 6. Got me into playing football, my mum. First footballer I looked up to, my dad. Best friend in football. 
Brook Norton Cuffey. Favourite football shirt I've owned, Arsenal 2003-4 shirt. Favourite goal of all time, Gareth Bale in the Champions League final. Best goal I've scored, a chip in Sunday League when I was seven. Best player I've ever faced, Jamie Bino Gittens, Borussia Dortmund. Best game I've had against Chelsea under-21 in the Papa John's Trophy. Proudest achievement in football, making the first-team bench. About me. Favourite footballer of all time, Patrick Vieira. If I could be any footballer, Sergio Ramos. Favourite follow on Instagram, Karim Benzema. Favourite pre-match song, Nook's Home. Best football attribute, reading of the game. One thing I need on an away day, headphones. One thing I want to do in my career, win the Champions League. If I wasn't a footballer, I would be a basketball player. First team player I look up to most, Gabriel. Player who shaped my game most, Sergio Ramos. Best thing about being at Arsenal, playing for my childhood club. Something not many people know about me. I have a birthmark on my left hand. The past few months have been amazing for me, but it didn't start that way at the beginning of the season. While all of my teammates were kicking on and fighting for their places, I picked up an injury on my foot and spent the first four months of the season out on the sidelines. That was tough for me because I missed a lot of pre-season, and that's obviously the time when you want to be getting yourself in the best condition possible to impress your coaches. It was a weird injury too. I had basically managed to separate the bones in my toes, so I couldn't move my foot and whenever I put pressure on it, there was so much pain. It was a difficult moment for me when I wanted to be out there on the pitch, but instead, I used the time out to my advantage and decided to do some extra gym work to keep myself focused and ensure that I had improved in one way or another by the time I was training again. From there, I was eased back into the under-18 squad around October, and I started to find my flow again, and shortly after I was called up to the bench for the under-23s, and sometimes travelling with them for the Papa John's Trophy. That started to build my confidence up, and then, by the start of 2022, I was handed my first start for them in a 1-1 draw with Brighton. It felt so good to be trusted to make that step up, and I went on to start each of the next three games, including a goal in the London derby against Chelsea. I could feel myself growing in confidence day by day and game by game. Working under Kevin Betsy has been great. He's really helped me to develop, and I love the level of detail that he provides to the team and me as an individual. I'm learning so much from him. At the start, when I joined the lads in training, I felt like I was behind and I needed to get into the groove of everything, but as the weeks have gone on, I've become really comfortable and I think that's showing in my performances too. I feel like the Chelsea game in the Papa John's was a crucial moment for me because it's given me the confidence to say, yeah, I can establish myself here. As a central defender, it's been really enjoyable to play in a couple of different systems too. Whenever we play with three at the back, I'm trusted to start in the middle, and that allows me to step into midfield and cover what's behind me, whereas with a back four, rather than focusing on just the middle, 
I need to focus on the middle and the side, so it's been a really good education for me. Obviously, the boss plays with a back four as well, so that's something I need to be as comfortable as possible playing in to go as far as I want to in the game. You need to be able to play in all types of different systems. I've had the chance to train with the first team on a number of occasions now, and it's always been such a valuable experience. But to actually be named in the matchday squad against Wolves the other week was an amazing feeling. When these things happen, you always hear a couple of rumours or whispers in the week. But when I got the message the day before matchday saying that I had been included in the squad, it was crazy. I had to tell my mum straight away. I couldn't believe it. I had told her that there was a small chance of it happening, but to actually share that moment with her was special. A few of us youngsters have had that opportunity this season, and I think it says a lot about the club and their ambition to develop homegrown talent. It just goes to show that Mikel and his staff are willing to reward academy players who put in the hard work, and that there's chances if you're able to take them. On that day, my whole mentality was just to take in as much information as possible. I was watching all of the players and seeing what they do before a match, how they prepare. How they encourage each other, and how they communicate with staff, and even clear their table and turn up extra early. It's all about maintaining high standards in everything you do. What a game to watch from the bench too! Usually, I watch the games from the stands, and of course, you can feel the atmosphere. But when you're down there, you can feel it even more, and feel the togetherness of the team too. We obviously have a really young squad, but that energy, willingness, and drive to work hard and win is there, and I really felt it. Now I just want to use all of those lessons I've learned to keep getting opportunities, and hopefully one day I can take the next step and make my debut. It's given me the belief to keep going and maintain standards in everything I do. Around the academy, action roundup. Our academy teams bounced back from a disappointing February to make a great start to March. The under-18s kicked off the month with a dominant display to beat Reading 4-2. Dan McKitchy handed a second appearance to 14-year-old Ethan Unwaneri, and the decision was justified when our winger crossed for Matthias Roberts to open the scoring, heading home his first goal at this level. Our playmaker got his brace midway through the first half, and Waneri again the provider, picking out his run with a well-timed through ball. And Roberts made no mistake with the finish. The away side pulled one back just before the break, before Taylor Foran restored our two-goal advantage from a Mauro Bandera corner. Kay and Edwards scored our fourth in the closing stages as Reading added another deep into stoppage time, but it failed to take the shine off our performance. The three points kept us sixth in the under-18s Premier League, eight points behind the leaders, Southampton. Our under-23s had to dig deep to claim all three points against Tottenham in a closely fought North London derby. Kevin Betsy's starting eleven was boosted by the return of James Olianka, our midfielder making his first appearance since January 11th after injury. Marcelo Flores opened the scoring after some good work from Mika Bireth, and we doubled our lead midway through the half with Flores turning provider. He fired in a low cross which ex-gunner Toby Amole 
could only deflect into his own net. The own goal sparked Tottenham into life, and they pulled one back through Alfie Devine just before half-time. The visitors were reduced to ten men with fifteen minutes left to play, while Alex Kirk typified our fighting spirit with a brilliant goal-line clearance late on, as we held firm to claim a hard-fought three points over our North London rifles. We moved up one place to second in the Premier League too, seven points behind the leaders, Manchester City, with 21 matches played. Our under-18s left it late to claim all three points against Aston Villa, scoring a stoppage-time winner to edge a five-goal thriller. Villa took the lead early on, but we responded well and were rewarded a penalty which Billy Vigar saw saved. Our mounting pressure was rewarded minutes before the break, Mauro Bendera firing in low from outside the box. We took the lead after the break through Josh Robinson, before Villa equalised against the run of play. Our late pressure eventually told in the fourth minute of stoppage time. Sago Jr. latched onto a ball over the top from Jimmy Gower and showed real composure to slot into the far corner and secure us three points. We stay sixth in the under-18s Premier League, trailing tabletoppers Southampton by eight points after 19 matches. Falarin's first. Falarin Belogan got off the mark for Middlesbrough with a goal in their 4-1 defeat at Sheffield United. The on-loan striker pulled one back for Borough after the Blades raced into a three-goal lead, pouncing on a defensive error and slotting home into an empty net for his first goal of the season. Middlesbrough dropped to eighth in the championship after the defeat, two points off the playoff spots. Return of the Mac. Our under-23s trained at North Shields FC ahead of their Premier League Cup last 16 tie against Middlesbrough. Former Gunner and 1977 Golden Boot winner Malcolm Supermac MacDonald is the current chairman of North Shields and was on hand to watch our young Gunners be put through their paces by Kevin Betsy and Dan McKitchie. Supermac was presented with a signed Arsenal shirt at the end of the session before posing for a group photo with players and staff. Breakthrough star. 14-year-old Ethan Nwaneri has made a stellar return to under-18 action after not featuring at the level since last May. Our winger has provided three assists in his last two performances and was singled out for praise by Dan McKitchie after the 4-2 win over Reading. Ethan is someone who is very highly thought of here. He's already played football a year group up internationally. I trusted him to perform today. He got his two assists and, knowing him, he'll be disappointed that he hasn't scored a goal or that he's misplaced a few passes because he has that champion mentality. I'm really pleased with him. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Gunners maintain the gap. Following a last gasp winner from Chelsea at Aston Villa on Sunday, the Gunners left nothing to chance by producing a superb first-half performance against Brighton, scoring three times to put the game beyond doubt. We were on the front foot from the off. First up, Lot Vubenmoy's guided header from distance was tipped over the bar before Viviane Midema's half-volley was expertly saved by Megan Walsh, who followed it up with another stop in quick succession to deny Stina Blackstenius from close range. 
Beth Mead's curling effort then sailed narrowly wide off the far post, and this was followed up by yet another outstanding say from Walsh, as Miedema's powerful left-footed effort was pushed away when she looked certain to score. For a moment, Jonas Eideval would have wondered whether it was going to be one of those frustrating days in front of goal, but with another sweeping attacking move, Caitlin Ford broke free down the right wing and selflessly squared for Blackstenius, who made no mistake in firing home from close range. We doubled our advantage shortly afterwards, with Miedema displaying outstanding tenacity to pick up a loose ball and thread a pass between the legs of a Brighton defender for Mead to coolly finish into the bottom right corner. It was no less than we deserved, and Blackstenius, who dominated the Seagulls' defence all night long, made it three before the break with a fine header, leaping high to meet Ford's delivery and guide the ball past the reach of Walsh. We continued to dominate play in the second half and created a host of chances, with substitute Nikita Paris coming closest late on. But that concluded the evening's action from an impressive team performance. Steena Superstart Steena Blackstenius was awarded the Player of the Match after her superb performance against Brighton. The Swedes' double meant that she now has four Women's Super League goals from the same number of starts. Her Viv-Stenius partnership with Viviane Midema is proving particularly potent. Hopefully it can propel us to glory in the Women's Super League and, of course, European competition this season. Viv takes the lead. Viviane Miedema's nutmeg assist, which has to be seen to be believed, for Beth Mead's goal on Sunday was her sixth of the season, meaning she takes the lead in the hotly contested assist race taking place this season. Viv pulled clear of Katie McCabe and Beth, both of whom have five assists this season. Watch this space. 50 for Jen. Congratulations to Jen Beatty, who racked up her 50th Women's Super League appearance for the Gunners, when she came on as a substitute for Lot Vuben Moy on Sunday. On the subject of our Scottish centre-half, make sure you read the sustainability section of today's programme, where environmentally conscious Jen explains some of the steps she's taking to live a more sustainable life. Visitors, Liverpool. Words, Mike Hammond, Photography, Getty Images. Formed 1892. Nickname, The Reds. Owner, Fenway Sports Group. Stadium, Anfield. Capacity, 53,394. Honours, League Champions, 19 times. FA Cup winners, 7 times. League Cup winners, 9 times. Community Shield winners, 15 times. European Cup stroke Champions League winners, 6 times. UEFA Cup winners, 3 times. Club World Cup winners once. Already winners of this season's Carabao Cup thanks to their dramatic penalty shootout win against Chelsea last month, Liverpool still have their sights set on three other major trophies in 2021-22. As well as chasing Manchester City for the Premier League title, they are through to the quarter-finals of both the FA Cup and the UEFA Champions League. 
A trip to face Arsenal's conquerors, Nottingham Forest at the City Ground awaits Jurgen Klopp's side this weekend as they seek to prolong an FA Cup run that has brought successive home wins against Shrewsbury 4-1, Cardiff 3-1 and Norwich 2-1. While they will discover the identity of their last eight opponents in Europe on Friday morning, having knocked Inter Milan out of the round of 16 despite losing the second leg 1-0 at Anfield. That defeat was the first suffered by the Merseysiders in 2022. It also ended a run of 12 straight victories, including the penalty success against Chelsea, since they drew 0-0 at home to Arsenal in the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final at Anfield. Liverpool, of course, won the second leg here at Emirates Stadium 2-0, thanks to a Diogo Jota double, and have been consistently productive in the Premier League since a barren spell at the turn of the year when they picked up just two points from successive away games at Tottenham, 2-2, Leicester 0-1 and Chelsea 2-2. Victory at Brighton on Saturday made it eight successive wins in the Premier League for Klopp's side and although only two of the previous seven had come away from home, 3-1 against Crystal Palace and 1-0 at Burnley, at Anfield Liverpool have won their last nine Premier League matches, the first in that sequence 4-0 against Arsenal in November. Clearly, every game in every competition is huge for the Merseysiders from now on in, with a historic quadruple not beyond the bounds of possibility. But Klopp and his players will be addressing the challenge game by game, and in light of their recent successes against Arsenal, including a 3-0 league win here last April, they will go into tonight's game brimming with confidence. The boss, Jurgen Klopp, manager, born June 16, 1967. Stuttgart, Germany. Previously, Mainz, 2001 to 2008. Borussia Dortmund, 2008 to 2015. Jürgen has strengthened his reputation as one of Europe's most accomplished coaches since he arrived at Anfield in October 2015, leading Liverpool to 2018-19 UEFA Champions League glory, the club's maiden Premier League triumph in the following campaign when the Merseysiders also won the UEFA Super Cup and FIFA Club World Cup, and this season's Carabao Cup. The 54-year-old German oversaw three cup final defeats for the Merseysiders before finally bringing silverware to the Anfield Trophy Cabinet. A seven-year spell at Borussia Dortmund peaked in 2011-12 when he won the German Bundesliga and DFB Pokal double, retaining the league title in the process. Number 1. Between the Posts Alison Becker, Goalkeeper Born, Novo Hamburgo, Brazil 2nd of October 1992 Previously, Internacional, Roma Alison briefly became the world's most expensive goalkeeper in 2018 with his £66.8 million transfer from Roma and the Brazil international has proved to be money well spent resolving Liverpool's problem position with several world-class performances and even heading in a dramatic injury-time winner at West Brom as the Reds chased a Champions League spot last May. The 29-year-old's contribution to the club's Champions League and Premier League triumphs have already assured him eternal recognition as a Liverpool goalkeeping great. Number 4. The Lynchpin. Virgil van Dijk. Defender. Born Breda, Netherlands, 
8th of July 1991. Previously, Groningen, Celtic, Southampton. A towering centre-back who has returned to former heights this season after missing almost all of the 2020-21 campaign, including the Euros with the Netherlands as a result of an ACL injury. Virgil is universally regarded as one of the game's best defenders. Now 30, he has been a Liverpool player since midway through the 2017-18 season when he joined for £75 million from Southampton. His effortless, elegant style belies enormous strength and considerable speed, making it difficult for any striker to get the better of him. Number 10. The African Champion Sadio Mane Forward Born Sediu, Senegal, 10th of April 1992. Previously, Metz, Salzburg, Southampton. A potent athletic striker, Sadio joined Liverpool in 2016 from Southampton for £34 million and has proved a huge hit at Anfield. He has maintained a steady output of vital goals throughout his six seasons on Merseyside, peaking with 26 in 2018 stroke 19 and has been on target in each of the Reds' last three league wins at Anfield, returning to the club in glory after inspiring Senegal to victory in the recent Africa Cup of Nations, where he was named player of the tournament. Number 11. The lethal left foot. Mo Salah, forward. Born. Garbia, Egypt, 15th of June 1992. Previously, El Mokawaloon, Basel, Chelsea, Florentina, Lone, Roma. Currently one of the finest footballers in the world. Mo's electric pace, skill and prolific scoring have made him a living Liverpool legend. A phenomenal first season at Anfield in 2017-18, stroke 18, following a then-club record transfer from Roma, earned the Egypt International both the PFA and FWA Player of the Year awards. The club trophies have come since then, with decisive contributions to both the 2018-19's Champions League win and the 2019-20 Premier League triumph. Number 14. The skipper, Jordan Henderson. Midfielder. Born, Sunderland, 17th of June 1990. Previously, Sunderland, Coventry, Lone. Now in his 11th season as a Liverpool player, Jordan joined the Merseysiders for £20 million from his hometown club, Sunderland. The feisty, inspirational 31-year-old has been the club captain since 2015 when he succeeded Stephen Gerrard. Lifting the UEFA Champions League, UEFA Super Cup, FIFA Club World Cup and in 2020 the Premier League trophy as well as winning 68 caps for England and representing his country at all of the last five major tournaments. Number 3. The Enforcer. Fabinho. Midfielder. Born. Campinas, Brazil. 23rd of October 1993. Previously. Fluminense. Rio Ave. Real Madrid. Loan. Monaco. A defensive midfielder capped 23 times by Brazil, Fabinho was a member of the celebrated Monaco side that won the 2016-17 French title and reached the Champions League semi-finals, before moving to Liverpool in 2018 for a reported £39 million fee. Often used as an emergency centre-back last season in place of the injured Virgil van Dijk, he has returned to the midfield engine room this term and enjoyed an unusual goal spree in January and February 
scoring five times. Number 66, the local hero, Trent Alexander-Arnold, defender, born Liverpool, 7th of October 1998, previously none. Liverpool born and bred, Trent has progressed from the club's academy to become one of the best attacking right-backs in the game. Renowned for his superb crosses from the right flank, as well as his accurate corners and free kicks, the 23-year-old has been a key contributor to the club's recent successes, appearing in all 38 games in the 2019-20 Premier League title triumph. Capped 16 times by England, he missed out on Euro 22 after picking up an injury in a pre-tournament friendly. Number 23. The new recruit. Luis Diaz, forward. Born, Barrancas, Colombia, 13th of January 1997. Previously, Barranquilla, Atletico Junior, Porto. The latest addition to Liverpool's array of attacking riches, Luis arrived in January from Porto on a five-year contract. A tricky forward with a deceptive burst of pace, he has already endeared himself to the cop netting his first Premier League goal in a 3-1 home win against Newcastle and bravely scoring the opener in the weekend's win over Brighton. The 25-year-old Colombia international spent two and a half seasons at Porto, winning the Portuguese domestic double in 2019-20 and scoring 41 goals in 125 matches for the club. Scouting report, words Michael Cox, photography, Getty Images. A couple of months ago it seemed like the title race was over. But after eight wins in a row, suddenly Liverpool are back in the running. Their title charge has been boosted by the January signing of Luis Diaz, who has provided Jurgen Klopp with yet another attacking option. He was the standout player in the 2-0 weekend victory over Brighton, nipping in to bravely nod home the opening goal and constantly causing problems with his direct running from the left. He's adjusted almost instantly to Premier League football. As Jurgen Klopp said at the weekend, he was ready-made for Liverpool's front three. Diaz's fine form has meant Klopp has changed the way Liverpool play in the final third. Sadio Mane, previously a regular on the left, has adjusted to a centre-forward role well, although Diogo Jota probably remains superior in terms of timing his runs and providing an aerial threat. This has meant Roberto Firmino is arguably now only Liverpool's third-choice centre-forward, although he's regularly scored against Arsenal over the years and remains excellent at coming short to link play. On the right, Mohamed Salah has perhaps been the Premier League standout player this season, although limped off against Brighton at the weekend. Mane, Jota or Diaz could play on the right, while former gunner Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain played in the front three when Salah and Mane were on Africa Cup of Nations duty. Liverpool's wide players offer such a goal-scoring threat because they play so high, and they play so high in part because Liverpool's full-backs are so aggressive with their positioning. Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson have constantly led Liverpool's assist charts, and the league's assist charts, because of their outstanding crossing and good set-piece delivery. They also switch the play well between them, and Robertson is particularly good at carrying the ball forward quickly down the left. Klopp has plenty of midfield options, with Fabinho the most consistent starter in the holding role. Thiago Alcantara is the most expressive passer, 
Nabi Keita plays a box-to-box role, while Jordan Henderson and James Milner offer experience and versatility. Oxlade-Chamberlain can play in there too, with Harvey Elliott a more attacking option who comes well down the right with Salah and Alexander Arnold. Liverpool's high defensive line has sometimes looked vulnerable to balls in behind this season, but overall they work excellently as a unit and constantly catch opponents offside by stepping up at the right time. Virgil van Dijk remains the most formidable defender, but Ibrahima Konate was excellent in the recent 2-0 win at Inter, while Joel Matip has often proved important with his ability on the ball. He stormed forward to score in a recent win over Leeds, and it was his ball over the top that created Diaz's opener on Saturday. In goal, Alisson remains near faultless as a shot-stopper, and his distribution is also excellent. USP, full-backs full power. No side in Premier League history has boasted such creative full-backs. Since Andrew Robertson joined Trent Alexander-Arnold at the club in 2017, only Mo Salah and Kevin De Bruyne have recorded more Premier League assists. Match action. Arsenal versus Leicester. Arsenal 2, Leicester 0. Arsenal scorers, party, 11 minutes, Lacazette, 59th minute penalty. Sunday, March 13th, 2022, Emirates Stadium. Timeline, 11th minute. Party heads home at the near post from Martinelli's corner. 18th minute. Party rattles the crossbar after a good move. 36th minute. Ramsdale makes a flying save to deny Barnes. 59th minute. The referee awards a penalty for handball and Lacazette converts. Talking heads. Granite Shacker. We had a great start. We wanted to score quickly and in the end we deserved the three points. If you see us in the last couple of weeks, we're enjoying it much more, day by day. More and more Mikel is preparing us very well. It's always good to win but we still have many games in front of us and we have to keep going. Mikel Arteta I'm very pleased because it's always really difficult to play against this Leicester team. They're really well set up. They're in really good form. They were playing well. They were winning matches and I expected a really tough match and I think it was a really tough match. We needed a big performance, collectively and individually and I think that's the reason why we won the game. Because we were at it. Facts Arsenal win five successive league games for the second time under Mikel Arteta, after May 2021. Martin Odegaard created six chances, his most in a Premier League game. Alexandra Lacazette has scored seven of his eight Premier League penalties. Teams For Arsenal... Manager, Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts, red and white hoop socks. 1. Bent Leno, goalkeeper. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Partey. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Emile Smith-Rowe. 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 
18. Takahiro Tomiyasu 19. Niklas Pepe 20. Nuno Tavares 23. Albert Sambi Lokonga 25. Mohamed Elnani 30. Edian Kitia 32. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper 33. Arthur Okonkwo, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Gabriel Martinelli 58. Mika Bierth 65. Salah Adin Ulad Amhand 69. Zach Swanson 75. Zach Arway 82. Omari Hutchinson 87. Charlie Patino For Liverpool, manager Jurgen Klopp Yellow shirt, shorts and socks 1. Alisson, goalkeeper 3. Fabinho 4. Virgil van Dijk 5. Ibrahima Konati 6. Thiago Alcantara 7. James Milner 8. Nabi Keita 9. Roberto Firmino 10. Sadio Mane 11. Mohamed Salah 12. Joe Gomez 13. Adrian, goalkeeper 14. Jordan Henderson 15. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain 17. Curtis Jones 18. Takumi Minamino 20. Diogo Jota 21. Costas Tsimikos 22. Loris Carrios 23. Luis Dias 26. Andrew Robertson 27. Devot Chorigi 32. Joel Matip 49. Cody Gordon 62. Quivin Callagher, goalkeeper 66. Trent Alexander-Arnold 67. Harvey Elliott 80. Tyler Morton 97. Marcello Pitaluga Referee Andre Mariner Assistant Referees Simon Long Scott Ledger Fourth Official Andrew Madeley VAR Official John Brooks Additional VAR Official Mark Perry Tonight's other fixture Brighton and Hove Albion versus Tottenham Hotspur at 7.30pm The Arsenal Foundation Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport No room for racism Amazon Original. The Grand Tour presents Lockdown. New special. Watch now. Prime Video. Adidas.com slash Arsenal. Where we belong. EA Sports FIFA 22 FIFA official licensed product powered by football registered trademark pre-order now 3. registered trademark www.pegi.info in-game purchases in-game purchases includes random items Play has no limits.
Copyright 2021. Electronic Arts Inc. Electronic Arts. EA. EA Sports. The EA Sports logo. Ultimate Team. And powered by football are trademarks of Electronic Arts Inc. Official FIFA licensed product. Copyright FIFA and FIFA's official licensed product logo are copyright and or trademarks of FIFA. All rights reserved. Manufactured under license by Electronic Arts Inc. All UEFA Champions League registered trademarks, designs and or copyright of UEFA. All rights reserved. The PlayStation symbol, PlayStation, PS4, PS5 and Play Has No Limit are registered trademarks or trademarks of Sony Interactive Entertainment Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.